0: I'm loud to me. If I'm loud to me, and I love to hear me preach, okay, if I'm loud to me, I know I'm loud to y'all. Y'all, you guys can turn me down. That's fine. All right. Uh, Luke nine fifty one. The Bible says this. It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, talking about Jesus, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? How about that? And you thought your friends got you hyped up. But he turned and he rebuked them and he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Never underestimate the power of just going to another village. (laughs) Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the power of your word. God, I thank you that there is life. In this room because you are in this place. You said in your word where two or three are gathered in my name. I am there in the midst of them. Jesus, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is in this place. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Lord, move in our midst today. Open up our hearts to hear, God, what you would speak to us, what you, the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, the author of the story of our lives, God, what you would speak to us today. God, help us to hear it and change us by the power of your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I'm starting a new series called The Road to Calvary. If you're not familiar With the word Calvary, it's the Latin name for the place where Jesus was crucified. The Aramaic word is Golgotha. It means a place of the skull. And Calvary is basically the Latin equivalent. And so Calvary is the place where Jesus died on the cross for you and me. So in this series leading up to Easter, I want to examine roughly the last seven days of the life of Jesus. The final week of his life leading up to the crucifixion. And we're going to look at some of the key things that Jesus said and the key things that he did in the week leading up to his death on the cross. So, today we're starting at the beginning of his journey. A very, very key moment here in Luke chapter 9. It says, It came to pass when the time had come. So, this is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus, in the life of Jesus. This is a milestone. This is a season change for him. It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. In other words, Jesus understood my time on earth is up. It's time for me to complete the mission. It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, let me give you the the situation, the background leading up to our main verse this morning. Jesus had been in public ministry for about three years, teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. He had been preaching to massive crowds. He had been performing miracles. And it's amazing to me, everywhere Jesus went, he was doing miracles and healing the sick. And that is encouragement to me. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, he has not changed. There's not a sick person in the Bible Jesus did not heal. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus went into his hometown, because of unbelief, he could do no great miracles. But even there, he healed the sick people. Healing is no big deal. It is no big thing for God. If you need healing, our God is the healer, and Jesus has not changed. It is the will of God, the plan of God. It is in the, the ability of God to heal you. In fact, God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. I don't know about y'all. I talk to so many people. I talk to them in line at the grocery store. They can tell me 5,000 facts about their disease. Talk about it like it's an old friend. Oh, Arthur's been my friend for years and years and years. I can tell you everything you need to know about Arthur, every disease, every pill he needs, and every treatment he's ever had. But tell me, can't tell me two things. Can't quote two scriptures on healing. God wants to heal you sometimes more than you want to be healed because he is the healer. That's one of the names of God in the Old Testament. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. He didn't tell Israel, I might heal you. I heal sometimes. It is the identity, the heart of God, the nature and the character of God. I am the Lord, your healer i don 't know where that came from that 's just, just a word for somebody I, 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 I was following somebody told me to, to follow this person, this theologian somebody who went to a cemetery i, I mean seminary and to, to follow them online and I was listening to a lot of their breakdowns of doctrine and, and they 're really coming hard against against these these pastors who preach on healing and, and I listened to him be critical and, and sometimes hateful and just trashing these people, but it breaks my heart because he's missing the heart of God himself. You can come against me, all that you please, but you're missing the very character and nature of God. He said, I am the Lord, your healer. Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus never met a sick person and said, I can't heal you because it's my will for you to be sick because this sickness is teaching you something. Church, that's bad theology. That's not the heart of God. And that same Jesus that went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil is the Jesus we serve. And that's the same Jesus that's in this room right now because He is in the midst of us because we are gathered in His name. And there is no devil in hell. There is no spirit of infirmity that can resist the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah! Where was I? He went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. He was performing miracles and doing great works of healing. And here is Jesus after doing this miracle ministry of love and mercy and compassion. Now it's time for Him to make His final trip to Jerusalem.
1: Jesus had been to Jerusalem many times. When you read the New Testament, He was always going into Jerusalem and always causing the stir. But he knows that this time will be different. These two were around woman And there will be the and Jesus, when he been in future, and food, when he been in you can the people, Thank <laughs> you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. You <laughs> You All the people are going The the in the of country. Thank <laughs> you. Thank okay. okay. you. Okay. Thank you.
0: their faith in Jesus, and they're saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it's wonderful. But this was a rough day, y'all. This was a rough day for Jesus. He's on the way to pay the price for their sins, and he gets detoured because they discriminate against him. He's on the road of the cross, and yet he gets hit with Prejudice. Jesus was judged based on where he grew up and based on what he looked like. They did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. My Jesus. These people are some of the few people in the history of the world to see Jesus walking on the earth and they missed their chance. They could have said, Jesus slept in my bed. Jesus bought a latte in my coffee shop, y'all. I know, I know Jesus drinks coffee because there's a book in the Bible called Hebrews. Amen, <laughs> hey Jehovah, Java. Jesus bought a latte from my coffee shop. But beyond all of that, think of all the people that would have been healed and set free because Jesus passed through the village. Because when Jesus shows up, he changes people. But instead of receiving the gift of salvation and deliverance that day that God had sent them, they instead halted him because they judged his outward appearance. Does that upset you? That makes me mad. It makes me, I get, sometimes I get mad when I read the Bible. But y'all, we're not the only ones mad about that because if you look at verse 54, when James and John saw this, they said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? And there's the other side of the equation. because God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's not up to us to bring down fire and brimstone and judgment on people. Just because they're wrong, can I get an amen? Amen. James and John, though, they were feisty. I I mean, everybody needs a James and John in their life, but sometimes they need to calm down. Jesus even nicknamed them the sons of thunder. When they saw the prejudice of the Samaritans, they told Jesus, let's just rain down fire from heaven just wipe them out. Look how Jesus responded in verse 55. He turned and rebuked them. This is the heart of Jesus, y'all. He rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. There's two reasons why Jesus rebuked them. Number one, Jesus is God in the flesh, and he had the power to rain down fire from heaven. Right. Think about that. He could have called ten thousands of angels to come and, and liberate him from the cross. Jesus had the power to do that. That's the first reason he rebuked them. And the second reason he rebuked them is because Jesus was a man and part of him probably wanted to. Come on, Hebrews 4.15. He was tempted in all points just as we were. Come on, Jesus was not a robot. He dealt with emotions just like us. Come on, y'all know what I mean. In my heart, I want to forgive, but part of me wants to put laxative in their coffee. (laughs) Y'all know it's true. Part of you you wants to please God, and the other part of you wants to mess him up a little bit. Jesus was tempted. (laughs) By the way, the coffee in the cafe is fine. I haven't been anywhere near it this morning. I ain't got nothing against any of (laughs) y'all. If I invite you to coffee, though. mm? Jesus was tempted in all the ways we're tempted, yet he did not sin. That's why there's nobody like Jesus. Although part of Jesus may have wanted in his humanity to retaliate, that's not who Jesus is. Look at that. He turned and he rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. They hated Jesus, and he loved them back. That's incredible to me. That's the most amazing thing about this story. They hated Jesus to his face. Because of his faith. And he loved them back. He didn't destroy the village. He didn't protest. He didn't turn his followers into an angry mob. He just walked away and went to another village. Let me ask you something. Were the Samaritans wrong with what they did to Jesus? Okay. Yeah. 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 Did Jesus deserve to be treated like that? No. No. So, what the Samaritans did to Jesus was wrong. He certainly didn't deserve to be treated that way. But what did Jesus do? He forgave them. Jesus had the power to wipe them out, He had the power to flatten their tires. He had the power to make a few lug nuts disappear, baby. (laughs) He had the power to nuke them. He had the power to lash out at them. He could have made them pay for what they did. He could have made them suffer. But instead, Jesus loved them despite their hatred. And he forgave them. Now, I'm going to warn you, it's about to get real for you and me. Are y'all ready? Let me just put your little imaginary seat belt on. Hang on to your chair if you got to. Here's where it gets real for us. If we follow Jesus, we have to follow his example. Amen. You may have been wronged by somebody. They were wrong and you did not deserve what they did to you. You might even have the power to get back at them. You might have the power to ruin them. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to forgive. you got to respond to hate with love. So Jesus didn't lash out. You know, you know what else Jesus didn't do? He didn't trash talk them. Oh, Lord, now I'm talking to everybody. (laughs) Because this is where we struggle. Oh, oh no, no, no. (laughs) I'm not going to smash your windshield. (laughs) But I will smash your reputation. Uh This is where people struggle. They say, I've forgiven them. And I'm not out for revenge, but let me tell you what they did.
1: As soon as their name comes up in conversation, it's all like donkey talk. Come on, you say you forgive them, but you can't get their name out of your mouth. You hear me? You say you forgive them, but you can't stop talking you said, hold on to that. That's the They're not going really to wrong. me, does it mean that you let keep you? So the is go out here, you you hear me? He you to back. He, really, he, he, he said, okay, I'll do another thing. He moved on. Sometimes you've got to do all. Okay? I everybody, you know we're we're forgiving, but we're not stupid. If you hurt me, I'll forgive you, and I'll love you with the love of the Lord, but I'm not gonna keep going around this circle over and over and over again because there's there's a village somewhere else that still needs meeting. I'm gonna keep moving. You know what I'm saying? i got a little illustration, I have a little illustration. i got a building, a building that's very dear to me. I feel a deep connection to this place. But i put this up here as an illustration, okay? Beautiful, glazed illustration. But I want you to remember this, okay? If, let's say that I'm standing
0: outside of Christy Kreme. Because this is a, this is a real world scenario, I would be likely to stand outside of Krispy Kreme. Although I would be more likely to be inside Krispy Kreme. But let's say that I'm standing here in the doorway, and then somebody walks up. Let's say let's say Brian, because Brian's my friend from Fremont. I'm from Red Oak, he's from Fremont. We're both from you know little small towns and we're small-town friends, and let's say that I'm standing here and I got my hand in the door jam. and let's say that he walks in and he slams my finger in the door. Oh, somebody put my fingers in the glazing real quick. No, don't do that. I'll fight along. But let's say, let's say Brian slams my fingers in the door. It hurts. I can forgive him. No problem. But the next time Brian walks through the door, I'm going to have my fingers in my pocket. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're still friends. He's my brother in Christ, and I forgive him, but I'm just going to wash my fingers next time. As Christians, we forgive, but if you keep getting hurt at the village gates, it's time to go to another village. Y'all with me? You good? You all right? Everybody okay? This is yes, this is no. Uh, We're going somewhere. Don't waste your time on the same problems over and over and over again when God has called you to reach the lost and to make a difference in this world. Jesus went on to another village. If you're constantly talking about somebody, constantly bringing them up, if you have a dartboard in your garage with their picture on it, if you have toilet paper printed with their face on it, you probably haven't forgiven them. <laughs> how, do I, now how do I know Jesus didn't talk bad about the Samaritans? Because right after this happened in Luke chapter 10, he tells the parable of the good. Ah, this happened right after that. Jesus used the people that hated him, and he gave an example of the Good Samaritan. Look at that. Look at Jesus being Jesus. And if we're going to follow him, oh, we've got to follow his example. Come on, church. It's getting quiet in this Methodist church today. <laughs> Jesus didn't write off all Samaritans because one group heard him. As Jesus gets closer to Jerusalem, because that's his next stop. We'll talk about that next week. As he gets closer to Jerusalem, he heals 10 lepers. Guess who's the only one that comes back? The Samaritan. Everybody likes to claim Jesus. Have y'all noticed that? Everybody likes Jesus. To claim Jesus. The Buddhists say he was a great moral teacher. The Muslims say he was one of their prophets. Jehovah's Witnesses say he's an angel. Even cancel culture tries to claim Jesus. But you need to know that Jesus is the exact opposite of cancel culture. You need to understand that. Because Jesus, if he was cancel culture, he would have canceled the Samaritans. Literally, they would have been extinct, baby. Boom, they're gone. (laughs) Cancel culture says, You mess up, you're done. Jesus says, You mess up, I'll take the fall. Because I love you. I'll take the blame. Cancel culture says, You mess up, we blame you, we shame you, you're out. Jesus is the opposite of cancel culture. You fail, you mess up, you make the worst mistake of your life. Jesus says, I will take that failure, I will take that sin, I will take that shame upon myself because I love you and I care for you. Jesus takes imperfect people and he transforms them with his perfect love. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Samaritans hated him, and he did nothing but keep on loving them. You've never known love until you've known the love of Jesus. Here's the thing about Jesus. He knows your real story. All of it. Jesus knows stuff your mama don't know. He knows stuff your best friend doesn't know. He knows stuff the judge and the jury never found out. Jesus knows your real story. He knows your whole story. And he loves you through all of it. I love Jeremiah 31.3, one of the most beautiful messages of redemption and love from God in all of the Bible. The Lord hath appeared unto me of old, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The Bible says something in Hebrews 12 that I can can barely comprehend. I can barely fathom this. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. When he set his face to go to Jerusalem, when Jesus started that road to Calvary, he did it for the joy that was set before him. What would be so wonderful about the death on the cross? It was a horrible, torturous death. He endured excruciating pain. He died an agonizing death. The torture that Jesus suffered on the cross is unthinkable. I I heard somebody say when the Passion of the Christ came out years ago, there's no way that it was that bad. Church, it was worse. Crucifixion was a death death. Of suffocation while being tortured. He endured an agonizing death. The torture that Jesus suffered is unimaginable. What was so great that Jesus could have endured all of that for greater joy? Was it the joy of heaven? Jesus had heaven. He left the glory of heaven to come to the earth. Was it it the joy of his position? Jesus has been seated at the right hand of the Father from eternity. He was the living Word of God from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus did, didn't have a status change. He left his high status of glory to come to earth to humble himself as a man. What was the joy set before him? The joy set before him was the joy of you. Jesus endured the cross for you because he loves you and he cares for you and he wanted nothing more than for you to be loved, to be free, to have the weight and the burden and the sin and the shame broken off of your life for you to be free and for you to be made whole and for you to be restored. You are the joy that was set before him. Jesus suffered and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that we've all messed up. We've all missed it. The truth is, all of us, none of us can save ourselves. That's why Jesus was determined to go to the cross. He made up his mind. He was going to follow that road to Calvary. Because Jesus paid a debt for you and me that we could not pay. He alone lived a sinless life. Church, we live in a confused and misled culture. Our culture teaches there are many paths to God. But the truth is, the Bible says, loud and clear, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the way. He is the only way. He's he's always been. The only way to God. And the wonderful thing about Jesus, he said, anybody God sends me, I will in no ways cast him away. Jesus never turned anybody away who was willing to come to him and say, Lord, I surrender. Be the Lord of my life and be my Savior. And you can make that decision today. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. The Bible says the arm of the Lord is not short that he cannot save. It doesn't matter how deep in sin you are, how bound in addiction you are, it doesn't matter how far from God you feel. God is able to reach you where you are. We're not saved by works, lest anybody could brag, right? We're saved by faith and faith in him alone. Salvation is not something you earn. It is a gift of God. I've had so many people say, "Well, I'll come to church when I quit sleeping around, when I quit doing drugs, when I kept do- quit doing all these things." Listen, that's not how it works. You come to Jesus, where you are, how you are, put your faith in Him, and Jesus will set you free. Jesus will break the power of sin off of your life. Jesus will change the way you think and how you walk. You just trust your life to Him and let him change you. We can't change ourselves. You should know that by now. We can't overcome sin on our own. You give your life to God. You put your hands in the hand of God and let Him break that power off of your life. Jesus is the one who can change and transform, and He is the only one. So put your faith in Him today. Put your life in God's hands and watch what He can do. He can make something beautiful of your life. You might feel like your life is a failure. People may have said your life is an accident. Listen, God doesn't make accidents. You were created by God. My Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's wombs. You were made by God. And God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make garbage. He doesn't make failures. You are God's workmanship made with the very hand of God. God loves you and he created you for good. He created your life with a purpose and a plan. And God wants you to live that plan out now. And today is your day of decision. Today is your day of salvation. This is your moment and this is your time to live the life that God created you to live. To live a life free of sin, free of guilt. A life where you're not looking over your shoulder anymore. When you're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. The the hope of the world and the hope of your life. This is your day, and this is your moment. And the wonderful thing about salvation, it's a free gift that you receive. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You just accept it in your heart by faith. And will you do that right now? Will you close your eyes? I just want to pray. God, I thank you for your wonderful love. God, if you love those Samaritans Jesus that hated you. God, whose hearts were filled with racism. God, you love them anyway. Lord, if you love them enough to die on the cross for them. Lord, if you love them enough, God, to anoint your apostles to go and preach the gospel and fill them with your Holy Spirit. If you love them enough to make them a wonderful church. God, I know, Lord, that you love us. God, if you love Saul. Oh, hateful Saul who was murdering Christians in cities throughout the world. If you loved him enough to appear to him, to save him, to change his life. God, I know you can change our lives. God, I thank you. Lord, if you can use Moses who was a murderer. If you can use Moses who was a stutterer. God, if you can use him to preach and set a nation free. God, you could use us. God, I thank you for your mercy. God, if you had mercy on King David, Lord, who was a murderer and an adulterer, God, if you could restore him, God, you could save us. God, if you can save Noah, God, who was a drunkard, God, if you could save him and set him free and use him, you can use us. God, I thank you for your great mercy. God, your love is an everlasting love. I thank you for your wonderful love. God, I thank you for your love for every person who's listening right now. God, you know their name. Lord, you know their story and you love them. God, you created them for better than where they are right now. And Lord, I thank you that you made a way, God, for them to move from where they are to where you created them to be. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we're we're seeing that right now in this moment, that this is their day of decision. This is their day of salvation. God, I thank you. Lord, that that, that faith is moving in their heart right now. God, I thank you, Lord, that they're feeling your love. They're feeling, God, even, even as their heart is beating, God, they feel the Holy Spirit moving on them. Lord, I thank you that today, God, their life is going to be forever changed. And, Lord, I thank you for giving them the faith and the boldness right now in this moment. Lord, to put their faith in Jesus God, to let go of the things of this world. God, to let go of their past. Lord, to let go of their guilt. Let go of their shame. And to hold on to Jesus, Lord, with every fiber of their being. And God, I thank you. Lord, that as they make that decision right now, Lord, they will never, ever be the same. But, Lord, their life is going to be transformed from this moment forward. Hallelujah. I I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. In fact, I want to ask everybody right now, will you stand up and begin to pray as we turn the lights down? I I want to ask our our altar team, will you guys come and join me? I feel like I, I feel like people need to come forward this morning. If you're here today and you feel God moving on your heart, I want to ask you to come. If you if you want to make that decision today, to accept Jesus, or maybe you've fallen away from God, and you want to come back to him this morning. Will you come to the altar? We want to pray with you specifically. I I feel like we need to make this thing personal this morning. Will you come this morning? I want to ask our worship team, will you guys come? We just want to take a few moments, but today you say, I want to follow Jesus. Will you come and join us at the altar this morning? Church, will you begin to pray? Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you're moving on hearts right now. Lord, I thank you that even those who are listening, God, on YouTube, those who are listening on the podcast by CD, God, I thank you for your presence and power and strength. Lord, I thank you that today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of decision. Lord, I thank you that you are calling people. Back to the family of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for people who are struggling right now. Lord, that you're calling them back to be a fully on fire for Jesus this morning. I want to ask our church leaders, will you come and help us pray? we got more people coming. Will you come and pray and lead these, lead these folks in prayer salvation this morning? All of our ministry leaders, all of our church volunteers, will you guys come and help us pray this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we worship you.